Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Some of us so focused on ourselves and our own lives and everything else that there'll be people dying all around you. And maybe you haven't had a real heart for that. But God has a heart for that. One of the evidences that we're growing and maturing as him is that we'll grow a heart for what God has a heart for. We'll start looking around and saying, man, I got to talk to these people. God put me here for a reason. I'm not just here for nothing. I'm here with great purpose. There's things that God wants to do in and through my life. And so I believe that's true for every Christian, that we're here with purpose, great purpose, things that God wants to do in us and through us. And we don't want to squander it or waste it. We stop considering people children when they can see a bigger picture and not just themselves, right? To grow and mature in Christ looks much the same. Pastor Bill reminds us today that when we mature in God, we focus less on ourselves and more on what God has a heart for. We're not so worried about where our next paycheck comes from because we know he'll take care of us. Your focus shifts towards sharing God with anyone and everyone you can. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. This can't be the only time that you hear the word when I'm speaking it. This is a little piece. The greater part of what you hear from God should be in your one-on-one -on -one interaction. Amen. Everybody here has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And God will speak to you through his word. And it'll be personal and intimate, directly from him to you. It'll be, I mean, it's special. When, when God has spoken to me in that way, there, there are times in my life where God has spoken and the things that God spoke, I just know that nobody else would have said that. But I got it directly from the Lord. And so I want you guys to know him like that. I want you guys to have that. That's that's where we begin to grow. Where it's like I, I, I know the Lord for myself. When you get out there and someone challenges you about what you believe that you won't be out there saying, well, my pastor says, forget about that. I've read this myself. It says in First Corinthians 15, whatever, that you could go right to the word for yourself. I know this because I know him. This has been my experience with the Lord. This is what he's spoken to me when I prayed about that before. And this is what God showed me. This is what he revealed to me. That's so much more powerful than my pastor said. Uh, for a baby, it's okay. Well, you know, when your little kids are little, they don't have conviction yet. Well, my mom said I can't. That's okay for, for little Timmy when he's four years old. He can say, no, my mom said I can't let you have this, you know. That's all right. But when he's 15... He needs to be able to say, no, I'm not. You can't have it. <laughs> it's mine. You know, it just it's there's got to be a point where it becomes our own. And that's where Paul is trying to bring the Corinthians. And I believe that's what the Lord wants to do in all of us. God wants to bring us into a place of, of maturity in, in our relationship with God. And, and a lot of that's going to come through our intimacy with him. Time that we spend with the Lord, allowing him to to have more access, to have more of us. Move on down. Look at verse three. It says, are you it is for you are still carnal. Again, he said carnal means babes for where there are envy, strife and divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Paul says, man, you guys are carnal. And here's the over. It's how it's how we know that there's immaturity among you guys. He says there's strife and envy and divisions among you guys. This is among the Christians at the church. Now, I will say that I've been blessed here. If it happens, I don't see it. I don't see envy and strife and divisions. You know, I, I know we got we got a mix and blend of different folks. And I'll be I'm glad that that didn't characterize the fellowship here. But imagine going to a church um, and some of you maybe have been in places like that, you know, where there's envy and strife and division and folks are fighting. That's church. That's, that's right before the service. And afterwards, 
Paul says, man, that's how you know you're immature when, when you envy other people's. Right. When you mature, you don't envy people. You rejoice with those who rejoice. Right. When you when you mature in the Lord, you can look at someone else and their blessing and say, man, I, I'm happy because I love him or her. And look, they got blessed. And I'm happy. My, my heart's happy that they're blessed right now. I rejoice in their blessing. So you don't envy. You rejoice. That's what maturity will bring. There won't be strife because in maturity, I don't want to have beef with you. I don't want to fight you. I want to have peace with you. And so we'll be working towards peace and not strife. Um, there won't be divisions because in maturity, we'll be looking to the Lord and, there's, and the Lord will unify us. And so there'll be unity among us. And so all the things that immaturity and carnality bring envy and strife and division, when you get someone that's really yielding to God, you find that, nah, I don't, I don't want to strife with my brother. I love my brothers and sisters. Even when we disagree and have differences, I love them. That's maturity. I don't envy those that have what I don't have. I rejoice with them and what the Lord is doing for them genuinely. Not that fake, oh, you know, I'm so happy for you. You know, you hate them for real, you know, but genuinely. And everybody, I think we know when we are genuinely happy for someone else. These are the things that maturity in Christ will bring us to. And what that does is brings a group of people to where when we come together and we just we just burn together. We just love Jesus together. And we appreciate what he's doing and we know we're at different places and we're we're part of what God is doing in one another's life. Paul said, man, when I came to you guys, you guys were behaving like mere men. That means you guys are acting like non-believers, right? You guys are believers, but you're behaving like regular men, mere men. That's a mark that we want to look at, right? Could that be said about you and me? That we behave like, you know, just like a non-believer. There's no difference between you and a non-believer in different situations, right? We want there to be a difference. There should be a difference in you as a Christian and someone a non-Christian when something negative happens. For you guys that may have been out and about during Christmas time, I just watched it. You know, y'all like the people watch. But man, people was acting up out there. They really parking lot stuff. I'm seeing people swooping in and taking parks and hunking and blocking. Out. And I was sitting there with my kids just saying all this is you know, for Christmas, Jay, Jesus birthday, you know, it's like, look, I mean, looking at all the mess out there and it's like, this is, this is for Christmas, right? The videos from Walmart, uh, Black Friday and people going to buy gifts for Christmas to celebrate stomping people on the way inside. It's like, you know, you look at all those things going on and you just think now, should a believer, right? Should you get, you know, sniped for your car parking spot? Now that doesn't make anybody feel happy. Should there be a difference in how we handle it? Yeah, it should be, right? It just should be a difference. There should be something there's something greater God is doing in you than someone that don't even know God, right? There should just be a difference in how we handle things. Our marriages should be different. Our households should be different. Our attitude at work should be different. There should be things that just mark you. Not, not, not different in a weird way, right? Some Christians, you know it because they just, they're weird. That, that's the truth. There are people that I'm like, I wish you didn't say you were Christian because you, you're messing it up for everybody, the rest of us. You know, you're weird. You know, I'm not saying that everybody knows you're Christian because you do weird things. But that, you know, the things that God does in us, the way he causes us to react, to behave, to love the unlovely, that those things would just mark you, that you would be the one person at your job that the person that everybody can't stand for good reason. But you love them and you won't talk about them. And you don't join the conversations and you still reach out and you don't you don't shy away from an association with a with a person that nobody else likes because Christ in you loves them. And you're big enough in Christ to say, you know, I, I know that they're kind of a jerk and everybody else hates them, but I'm going to just love on them. The God in me just requires that I just love on them. 
And if that would mark you, and people, I don't know why you still, and they, I mean, because, because God, because God loved me when I was unlovely. So there, so I'm going to love the unlovely and see, I'm going to look for the best in everybody. Those things should mark us, uh, should just make a difference in, in, in the world in which we live. So Paul says, man, when I came to you guys, it was like just dealing with non-believers. It's like talking to mere men, like anybody else. Verse four, this is what they were divided over. For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? And so the division among them, an area of division was, they were looking at the men that led them to Christ. And this would, this would be like denominationalism in our culture. So the people that got led to Christ when Paul preached, we're looking at the people that got led to Christ when Apollos preached. And they were like, well, I'm of Paul. And Paul's a little greater than Apollos. And there's a group over here who was like, well, I'm of Apollos. And, and not, you know, however y'all got saved. And it was becoming a thing of like a haughtiness. I'm of this person. I'm of that. And Paul is saying, man, that's carnality. It doesn't matter who led. He's going to explain that the, it doesn't matter who led you to Christ. The big deal is who? Jesus. Always the big deal. He's always the only thing that will ever matter. It, it's special to me, the person that led me to Christ. But they didn't die for me. They're, they're by no means equal. You know, my, my, my thankfulness for them is not like my thankfulness to Jesus. It's different. I don't go around boasting and I, I, I go around thankful. I'm so glad that they kept sharing and that they kept loving me when I was unlovely and that they, I'm thankful for that. I'm very thankful. There's a gratitude that I, I won't let go of, but it's not on the same level of my gratitude for Jesus and what he did for me. That's different. And so it was becoming a thing of division. So something we want to be cautious of as Christians that we're not divisive, right? We're Calvary Chapel Inglewood. That's just the name of our church. But we're part of the church of Jesus Christ. I got friends that are at, at a Baptist church, at other churches named other names. That's all irrelevant. The names of our little gathering places is not relevant. It's Jesus Christ. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, and is coming back again? And that, that's how you get saved. It's through him and him alone. Then we agree on the most important things. And you guys might do your music a little different. And you guys might dress a little different. And you guys might do that thing a little different. But we're going to all be in heaven together. We don't want to be those that are like, unless you do it exactly like us, you're not quite right. And that's how some Christians get. If it's not exactly the way that I do it, there's something a little off with you. Where do you go? Ooh, was, was that Baptist? Mm. Oh, man. Yeah, I go to Calvary Chapel. You know, we upgrade it from the Baptist, you know, and uh, it, it, that's the kind of stuff that people do. And it's like, no, no, I, I don't. It, I'm not really interested in the name. OK, I, when I ask someone where the church they go to, I'm trying to make sure they're not a cult. You know, that's, that's different. Right now, I know I'm not I'm not fellowshipping with a brother in Christ. I'm talking to someone that's not saved, that's lost in a cult. So but that's that's the extent of it. Right. That's because those are where God divides. You know, we just want to be bigger than that because God is bigger than that. Uh, we won't have sections in heaven. There won't be a Calvary Chapel Inglewood section. <laughs> Thank God. You know, they're just going to be believers of every nation, every tongue, every tribe worshiping Jesus. So we could do a little bit of that down here. It would be awesome. Amen. Amen. And so, so Paul is correcting them. They're saying, hey, I'm a Paul. I'm a Paulist. Paul says, man, you guys are carnal. Verse five. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. He said, we're just the people that, we're the people through whom you believed. And he gives something really important. Verse six is a, a good verse to highlight. Paul says this, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. He's tying the analogy of a farmer. When you go out as a farmer, one guy's got to till the ground and throw the seed down, plant the seeds. 
Uh, someone else has got to come and water the seeds that have been planted. But now they have to wait on the miracle of life. They got to wait for the thing to, to grow. There's nothing else they can do at that point. Um, it's out of their hand. The, the, the seeds have been sown. It's been watered. Now there's a part that has to happen that God established. And so when it comes to sharing the gospel, this is where a lot of believers get hung up. We should feel privileged to get to be a part of God's process. That all the ways God had that he could have the gospel shared, God says, I want to have it shared through you. I want those that have received the gospel to share the gospel. Those who have been saved to share with those that need to be saved. That's the way God wants it to be done. And so maybe you're one that sows and you're out there just sharing the gospel everywhere you can. You're sowing the gospel, sowing it, sowing it, sowing it, telling them, telling them. And maybe you're a waterer. Maybe you come behind and someone's heard it before and you're just you, you, you kind of bring it in another way. You just water in the seed that's already been there. We don't ever know what we're doing when, I'm, when we're sharing the gospel. I don't know if I'm sowing or watering. We're doing one of them. But you know what? That's all we can do. There's the part that God's got to do of bringing the increase. And we have nothing to do with that. Paul says, man, I just did my part. I sold Apollos water, but God gave the increase. The big deal is God. Right. If he's not in the process, nothing happens. We can sow and water all day. But if God doesn't touch a heart, if God doesn't open a blind eye, if God doesn't get involved, then there's nothing. If he didn't die on the cross and rise from the grave, there is nothing. Just sowing and watering. And so this should take a little bit of pressure off for those of us that sow and water. Now, you may be blessed here and there to see God give the increase. And it is a wonderful experience to see somebody come into Christ. Particularly if you get to watch them grow and mature as well. It's an awesome thing to behold to say, Man, I remember that person when they were going to hell and I was there the day that God apprehended them and I've watched them grow into this. And now look what they're doing. It's awesome. And I know people like that. I know people that I saw when they weren't saved and I watched when they got saved and I'm looking at what they're doing now. Awesome to behold. But that's not always the case. Sometimes you sow in water. There are going to be people that you sowed in water that you won't see till heaven. You won't know that it took till we get to heaven. You never see them again. That's okay. You got to be okay with that. This is my analogy that I like to use because I think it's helpful. One of the reasons a lot of people won't share the gospel is that they're afraid of being rejected. They're afraid of being told no, being shot down, being argued down or whatever. But if you look at it like this, and this is, I think it's a healthy way to look at it, you know, in sharing the gospel. It's like sharing with someone that some friend of yours maybe likes someone. And you're, you're just in between. You don't like them. This is your friend over here. And so you're going to go tell this person, hey, my friend over there, that one, they like you. Well, what, what say you? You know, whatever. It's, you know, they might say, oh, for real? Then tell them to come talk to me or whatever. And you got to be the one to kind of hook it up and it'd be awesome. They might say, ugh, that one? You know, and please, you know, whatever. And, and, and while you might be sad for your friend, it's not anything personal, right? They're not rejecting you. You're just trying to hook them up. When I'm sharing the gospel, I'm looking at someone, I'm saying, man, I know Jesus loves him. And I know he wants to be in relationship with them. And they don't know it yet. So I'm just telling them, hey, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, this is your condition without God. But he loves you and he sent his son. He died for you and he wants to be in a relationship with you forever and ever, ever. What, what do you say? I don't do organized. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, okay, all right. No, not my, that's not, I don't take it personal. You didn't reject me. Um, you rejected him, right? That's him. Now when you receive it, it's awesome. Be, I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've been a few times involved in, in bringing people together. It's cool, when it, especially when it's good. You know, it's like, oh, look, it worked. They're going out. Ah, they're new. You get to do the wedding. That's fun. It's awesome to see when you get to be a part of bringing someone to Christ and they come. 
But you know what? If you never sow in water, you don't get to be a part of nothing. If you let the fear of them rejecting him keep you from sowing and watering, then you'll never be there the day that they say, yes, I do. I do want that. And you get to walk them in and, and, and encourage them to go forward. So we want to be a part of the process. Amen? Amen. And that's just something to consider this new year. You know, how involved have you been in the process of sowing and watering? For some of us so focused on ourselves and our own lives and everything else that there be people dying all around you. And maybe you haven't had a real heart for that. But God has a heart for that. One of the evidences that we're growing and maturing as him is that we'll grow a heart for what God has a heart for. We'll start looking around and saying, man, I got to talk to these people. God put me here for a reason. I'm not just here for nothing. I'm here with great purpose. There's things that God wants to do in and through my life. And so I believe that's true for every Christian, that we're here with purpose, great purpose, things that God wants to do in us and through us. And we don't want to squander it or waste it. The way that most people squander this life is to live very selfishly, just to do whatever they want to do for themselves, that their their whole thinking process is themselves is the center. Those are people that have made themselves their gods. Uh, but we've made Christ God in our lives. We, we've, we've surrendered to him as Lord. He is God. And so if he is Lord and he is God, then my whole life can't revolve around me. It's God. What do you want? This is the cool thing. When you live for God, because some people think God is mean. You think if you live for God, like he, he's not going to think about you in the process. God, if I do everything you want me to do, you're going to have me live in the mud. And, and the, uh, you know, that God is going to do you dirty. But that's not the case. You know, when you live for him, you find out that he loves you, too. And many times the things that God will lead you to do, you'll find that this is the most fulfilling thing I could have ever done. It's not like when I submit and surrender fully to the Lord that, you know, God's it's going to have me do all this God stuff and my life's going to be awful. God's not mean. He loves you. But some people think that way. You know, if, I just, if I really submit to God, he's going to make me go somewhere I hate. He know I hate bugs. He's going to send me on the mission field where there's bugs or whatever, you know. And I'm not saying if you submit to God, everything you're going to do, you want to do. You know, there are going to be things that you didn't want to do, that you overcome fears. And you, you find out that, man, that, that thing was holding me back, that way of thinking. But God will do great things in those that will submit and surrender to him. And so here's a thought. because Paul says, look, I, I planted Apollos water. God gave the increase. He says, so that neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Right. We're nothing. We're just doing our part. The big deal is God. He's the one that gives the increase. As we look at doing our part, being a part of God's process in a greater way, again, sowing, watering, they're both the same thing. They're sharing, sharing the gospel, coming behind those that have already heard it and sharing it again. It may be some, you know, answering questions for people, but it's getting out there and being involved in that process. I believe that the more of us that would involve ourselves in that process, right, two things will happen. There will be, you will find, that as you commit yourself to be one that's trying to take people out of the clutches of the enemy and bring them to Christ, you'll find that there's warfare, that there's greater warfare. But, but right behind that, you'll find that there's great victory, right? Because the battle, when we, when we enter into spiritual warfare, we, we always enter in as victors. We know that, right? We never enter into the spiritual battle as a, I might lose this one. You know, the only way you lose a spiritual battle is how? Quit. If you quit, it's if you, you fall back, you won't go forward. But no, none of us enters into the spiritual battle and, and, and it's not guaranteed victory. And I, I can say that from my own experience as the, the more of my life I commit to, to God, to doing what he's called me to do, to preaching the word, to sharing the gospel, more of that. My wife and I will both attest that we've, there's been a greater and greater warfare. But as you don't stop 
but you keep going forward, you'll find that every war is won by him. Every battle is won, and, and victories are awesome. The, the further forward you go, the more, the more you begin to look back and just be like, man, God's track record is awesome. Why would I ever quit? Why would I ever look back? Why would I? The next time something falls out of the sky and, and rocks your world in, in a warfare kind of way, you look back at all the other things that happened and how faithful God has been, and you just move forward. Another battle, another war. When they train the police dogs, they take them from a puppy. And they have all these rules. They only take them from breeders that are breeding for them. They won't take them from any regular breeders. The rules are like this. That dog can never have ever been hit in his life. Never been hit. And from the time that they're tiny and harmless, they start them on the bike, you know, where they, they, they send them on a chase to bite, and they make sure that they win every battle. So this dog has never been hit, never been hurt, and he's never lost a battle. Every time he bites, he wins. Every time he chomps, they fall. And they train him and train him. A dog gets bigger and bigger and more confident and more confident. And so by the time these dogs are, are ready to go out with their personal patrol, this is a dog that's never lost a battle. And now that they've grown into their adulthood, they've never lost a battle. Now they won't. They refuse. They won't lose a battle now. It's like, no, I don't lose. I just win. And they can get shot and they keep going. They can be hit and they keep going because in their mind it's been trained that I don't lose. I only win. That's why they won't let you. You'll never see them hit their dogs. You'll never see them physically discipline them. They'll use certain methods to train them, but they won't do anything like that because they want that dog to be absolutely confident. Now, don't be offended. I'm liking none of us to dogs. So we're like that, right? In, in the same way as we walk with God and we're engaged in the spiritual battle, but God is the one doing the fighting for us. Then you look back and just think, man, I've never lost when I've submitted to God. I've never lost when God has been before me. There's never been a time where God led me out to, to battle and then left me there to die. And so there should grow in the heart and the life of the believer great confidence in God. Amen. Great confidence that we be ready to move forward and do great things, greater things, because I look backward and say, man, God has been so faithful. And even though warfare kicks up, it's, it's a war is going to be won. Right. Not my might. You know, not by might, not by power, but it's by his spirit, says the Lord. God's going to do it. And so I, ch- I encourage us, I challenge us that if we're not a part of what God is doing, right? If you just kind of an attender or a watcher or an observer, I, I, I encourage you to get involved. It may be that you enter into the battle through prayer. It may be that you enter into the battle through sowing and, and watering. All of us should be doing that. It may be that you enter in through service of some sort. But you, you want to be a part of what God is doing. And it, we should count it a great privilege that God says, hey, I, w- I want to use you guys, right? That I would use you to sow in water, that I want to use you to be a part of what I'm doing. And so, but at the end of the day, it's God that's got to do the greater work. One sow, one water, but he says, God gives the increase. So that neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. And so now he, as he's dealing with their lack of unity, remember they were divided over, I'm from Paul, I'm from a place. He says, you guys, he who sold and he who waters are one. Paul said, look, me and Apollos, we're not battling one another. We're the same. Right? I'm sowing, he's watering, but, but God, we're looking for God to give the increase. We're working together. We're not at war. Be mindful, be cautious, Christians, about being at war with ourselves. Unity is... It's, it's worth, it really is something worth fighting for in the body of Christ. Because whenever Satan gets us turned inward at one another, 
you can you can be sure that we're having zero impact out there. Right. When, when I've turned inward and I'm fighting with people at church, then there that I'm, I, I surely am not doing that. I'm, my impact in the world is removed. That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill has been teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. This book addresses the idea of confronting sin. Paul knew it was more important to hit the issue head on rather than skirt around it for the sake of being approved of by the majority. This is a hard thing to do when you know that tough issues will cause disruption in a church or even a breach in relationship. But what matters most, pleasing God or pleasing man? It's something to keep in mind as you continue to study this New Testament book. Can we encourage you as you strive to walk out a life of faith, even when it's unpopular? Call or send a text to 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. We'd love to meet you. Do you live in the Inglewood area? Then come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at calvaryinglewood.org. You can even find links to stream our services if you're not able to be with us in person. And you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. As we come to the end of our time with you today, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience. Would you join us in praying for others who are tuning in and may be hearing about Jesus for the first time? Pray that their hearts will be open to truth and change. Thanks for praying and thanks for joining us on A Transforming Word.